improve their communication skills so they can help more people and help people more. I'm your host Dr Martin Harvey. I'm a chiropractor and I'm an expert in communicating the value of chiropractic. Today on Under the Influence I'm joined by Dr Scott Batcher. Scott is a chiropractor who practices here in on the Gold Coast in Australia. He's originally from Canada, had quite a journey to become a chiropractor which he shares in the discussion that we had. And he's also done something that I really like, which is he's gone outside the chiropractic profession to bring strategies and approaches that can help you do better in practice. Specifically, he's going to be talking a lot about authority and the power of positioning yourself as an authority in your community to make you the the person that people know, like and trust and the approaches that he's used to build his authority in his community. So really fascinating discussion. I had a great time and I think you're going to enjoy it too. Some opportunities to up your skills if you should wish to. The Certainty 2.0 program is uh, up and live and open. It is a immersive process that takes you through essentially a series of exercises where you look at your understanding of the chiropractic philosophy and then look at how your paradigm aligns with that and then how your procedures align with your paradigm. Sounds really abstract. What it actually delivers is you having more certainty, confidence, clarity around why you do what you do and that translates into better conversations, more clinical certainty So it's easier to navigate the difficult situations where people aren't getting good results. Should you be continuing to care for them? Should you refer them? Should you change your approach? What should you do? Going through the Certainty 2.0 process makes that sort of scenario and many others way, way easier. If you feel like you want to upgrade your communication skills, then I would recommend the Retention Recipe 2.0. It is my most popular program and it the 2.0 version is has a lot in it that builds from the original retention recipe and the chiropractors who do it find that their retention grows practice gets more fun and the people in their practice get better results so it's a win-win-win both those programs have free preview lessons that you can check out look at the links in the show notes and uh, you can sort of sample it, see if it, it aligns with, the, with you and your approach. And if so, sign up and get into it. Vismay Schoenfelder and I are doing our Grow Your Tribe in-person workshop in Melbourne on March the 18th. There's only three places left if you want to join us. So get on it today. Again, the link is in the show notes. So... Let's get into our discussion with Dr. Scott Batcher about the power of authority. Hey, Scott, great to see you. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Finally made it happen. Yes, bit of a backstory to this one. This should have been probably episode 55 of the podcast, not episode probably close to 90 that it's going to end <laughs> up. We, uh, we had a few uh, trip-ups in getting it organised, most of which I think existed in my camp of... Uh, not following up on emails and things. So I'm glad we finally made it because uh, we've we've known each other over a number of years and 
um, connected a number of times, but I always love getting the opportunity to chat to you. But in particular, we caught up last year at the DG 2.0, and I really loved some of the perspective that you were bringing to the profession and hope that we can share some of your perspective with the with the under the influence audience around how they can make more of an impact. But I'm going to leave that a little bit mysterious at the moment and get to that in a moment. Um, and also, this is kind of a, a bit of a run of people who were early adopters of podcasts uh, in the chiropractic profession as well, because I had Damien Christoph, who one of the wellness guys, then Brett Hill, one of the other uh, nice, yeah. wellness guys, and now I've got you. And um, yeah, because you were a you were an early podcaster as well. Yeah, I did a few podcasts over the years. One uh, one chiropractic related. I, I honestly don't even know if that's still on the airways somewhere out there yeah. in the ether. Yeah. Uh, and another one focused on dads. So yeah, I've been around the block with podcasts as well. And funny enough, you mentioned those two other guys. I was uh, I went to school with Lawrence Tam, the third yeah. wellness guy. So you're you're <laughs> Lawrence's stand-in, are you? So that we can have the complete package of the original yeah. wellness guys. On, that's right. Excellent. Um, so just leaping into our first question, what sort of coffee are you under the influence of these days? I I must admit, I love coffee, but I, I don't think I'm the, I don't know, the aficionado that you are. I had to look at what I'm actually drinking at the moment. It's, it's a Byron Moonshine Moonrunner. Um, okay. It, it's beautiful. Uh, roasted in, in Byron Bay. Um, and I just recently, uh, went from the dreaded Nespresso machine and got yep. up upgraded and got my own DeLonghi, like fresh, it grinds yep. fresh for every cup and it is unbelievable. Yeah. It's a big difference, isn't there? What a difference. I didn't mind it. My wife hated it. So we moved house and, and did the upgrade and now we don't even go out for coffee anymore. We, we're just having it at home. That's awesome. Yeah. Now those, um, I think Nespresso, I mean, like Nespresso gets a bad rap. I think it's one of those things where it, it's a consistent five and a half, six out of 10 when it comes to coffee. Like it's better than some of the crap that you get. Like I can see why it, it, people like it, but I think once you have then dial into that next level of freshly ground and then made straight after it you just can't it's a it's a the nespresso is a processed food it's like got all sorts of shit done to it to make it stable in those little foil containers um i remember one of the coffee courses that i did they talked about this rule of eights which was that you want to have beans you want to roast beans within um around about eight weeks uh, from being picked and processed and then you want to um, grind them, like use them within about eight days. So that sort of 10 to uh, between eight and 14 days of them being roasted. And then you want to use the ground coffee within eight seconds of it being ground. So those sort of machines where it's like all one automated process allow you to dial in some really, really nice coffee. So that's cool. Awesome. I, I definitely have the eight second uh, grind to to yeah. making the drink yeah no idea about that eight week rule about uh, how long no. those beans have been sitting there <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't have to think they're, they're sitting there longer than that at the time no. i think to me it's one of those rules that's sort of indicative rather than absolute i always look at it like 
you want to be getting uh, beans from somewhere local to you so that they're they're not having to be in transport for, so, you know, you're on the Gold Coast, Byron beans, to me, you're likely to be getting beans that they're, that they're fresh from them. And mm. then it's just really about, it's an incentive to drink a lot of coffee because you kind of want, if you're getting a <laughs> 500 gram bag, you just got to go, we've got to do this within a week or so. Otherwise, this is no good. Because coffee gets affected. Yeah, coffee is essentially like a fruit. Like it's it's the bean from a fruit. It's the seed from a fruit. So you don't want it hanging around, going rotten on you. All right. So I've uh, beaten the coffee uh, drum hard enough now. Um, so I know you you do some really interesting things in terms of practice and in terms of your community. And uh, you're mentioning the um, podcast that you'd had around. Uh, supporting dads in, uh, in you know, doing a better job in that role and so on. So what's the influence that you're trying to have? I guess it depends on the area that we're talking about, but um, it, really in both, I, I feel like the, you know, talking about influence and talking about, you know, the, the King Cialdini and his, you know, yeah. uh, six principles of influence. The one I'm really focused on is authority. Yeah. Um, and through being an author. So, you know, in the chiropractic profession or, or that sort of realm, I've, I've written a book, seven time bestseller. So I've, you know, done that, been there and, and, and that's been amazing. And then in so, the deck, sorry, so before you go on from there, what, what's the, what's the title of the book? It's called move it or lose it. Yep. Yeah. Excellent. And so what's the, what's the idea of that? What's the kind of central theme of that book? So it was a, it's a term that I've always used in practice. You know, you got to move it or you're going to lose it. You know, that, you know, it's, it's sort of a, a layman's way to talk about chiropractic. You know, yeah. we keep the body moving well, so it stays, stays young and stays healthy. So it was sort of a take on that. And I found with practice that over the years, I'd done all kinds of talks and seminars about, you know, mindset and nutrition and all of the other things. What I found was by far the easiest to get people to was a posture class. Yeah. It was just one that people really seemed to have a lot of interest in and, and I wouldn't have to work hard to fill it up every single time. So I, I created this really simple posture class, eight to 10 different movements, showed them how to do it uh, and off they went. And then from there, the book sort of evolved. Got it was it. like, I, I want to, yeah, create this on a, on a larger scale, basically. Yeah. So the, oh, the book- awesome. Yeah, the book is set up where the first third of the book is really all about the human body, how amazing it is. The middle third of the book is about sort of mindset and getting you ready to do the process. And then the last third of the book is what is the process? How do you move your body properly? Perfect. Oh, amazing. Cool. Uh, and then you were moving on to the uh, bit about the um, about dads. Yeah. And, and then same with dads. At this stage, I'm co-authoring a book with a, a great mate of mine. Uh, his name's Evan. He's he's a chiropractor as well. Actually, we went to school together, um, but he's he's not practicing. He's over in Costa Rica. And we're about 95 percent done of a extremely thorough. Probably it's probably going to end up being about a 300 page book on uh, how to be a better dad. So, yeah. So we're using that uh, author aspect to create our authority in, in the field. Uh, I think it's a great way to really leap forward to do that. I mean, 
it's probably becoming or going to become a lot easier with chat GPT and all the rest of it to be <laughs> writing things like this. But this was this was done prior to that. So uh, it's it's uh, it was a big slog. And we're like I said, oh, so close to finishing. I can't wait oh, to get that book out. I can imagine. That's actually just a little segue there. What's I'd be sort of curious on your take on chat GPT as an author, because I mean, I'm, I've looked at it a bit, I've um, played with it, I've, I use it to sort of uh, create almost a template for something that I'm writing, but I guess my initial feel is I sort of feel like I can tell when something's been written with chat GPT because it's, it's got that, it's almost like the images that are generated by Dali or any of the other AI things. It's mm. like, yeah, it's good, but there's something just a little bit off. And the writing to me, the little bit off is it, it often comes through as very kind of formal and even when you ask it to write in a humorous or casual way, it sort of feels like a little bit contrived. I don't know whether, um, what, I'd be curious in your take. Sorry, I should have just left you to say rather than telling you what I thought first. Well, you summed it up well. Okay. No, no, <laughs> um, no, no I, I would agree that it's, it's a great tool and it should be used that way more as a tool than a, you know, write me a, a book on yeah. posture and then just, you know, plop it out and do it. It, it does have a, I guess, almost a more general knowledge. I mean, it yeah. writes amazingly. Like the, the things that I've tested around it is, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. But yeah. then as an authority, if you're going to use something like that, you really want to go in and put your own spin on it yeah. because yeah. nothing is better than having your own story involved in it and your own, experiences which ai will never be able to generate so i think it's a really good starting point it's amazing for coming up with ideas yeah. give me 10 ideas about chiropractic and posture yeah. boom yeah. wow now i can dive deeper into these yeah. and talk about it or whatever the case is so it's definitely a pretty cool tool actually just again going on a further segue on our segue i think that point that you bring up there and i know you're across a lot of this literature with cialdini and um, uh, Miller and others who sort of work in this area, but particularly the story component of it, you know, I know you've done a lot of work around story brand, that the thing that makes a message a lot more tangible for people is when there's a story element to it, that we have a particular part of our brain that's designed to take in information as a story. And there's a real power in a story because when we tell a story around something, people don't process it purely rationally. They put themselves in the place of the protagonist. And so they have an a, a experience by proxy when we tell a story. So I think there is a real value when, if you're generating any information, if you're doing a talk, you're, doing, you're writing an article or anything else, layering in those stories to illustrate the concepts so that there is that natural way of getting into people's brains giving people an experience of what you're talking about so yeah that's a really useful distinction yeah and i think that you know it's probably the difference between oh i need to put out this much content per day week month whatever it is versus i need to put out this much good content you know yeah. that difference is yeah. can be can be significant because you look at some of the bigger people out there in that space and they're not necessarily putting out tons but they're creating that real balance between this is the goods yeah, and then this is how you can use those goods or how I use these goods 
that difference in story. Yeah, Donald Milliner's story brand is is awesome. That's right. I'm glad you said his first name because I, I just used the last name because I'm thinking Dennis Miller's coming to my mind, but I know he's not the comedian. That's the I was other gonna guy. say, I think that's the comedian, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> he tells good stories though. He does, indeed. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, that perfect point there is a joke versus a joke with a, a good story connected. That's yeah. the difference between a comedian who's at your open mic and Chris yeah. Rock. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so we we've got so a big part of the influence you're looking to have is to create sort of that authority in a couple of domains. In terms of then, how does that flow? Like, is this separate to practice, or does this flow into practice, or how are you seeing these? Yeah, it's a bit of both. Um, we'll look at the move it or lose it. So I'm I'm using that um, both within and outside of the practice. So it's definitely a way to create authority within the practice. Mm-hmm. You know. Being a best-selling author is a, a great catchphrase, a great thing to add to any resume sort of thing. Um, and, you know, you can use it where you either uh, give away or sell a copy of the book in the practice. You have the book there. So then any any new clients who come in are instantly like, oh, look, this guy's an author. He must know what he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> type yeah. of deal. But then using it outside the practice as well. So I've created like an online course that goes along with the book. Mm-hmm. So that's an upsell from the book. So the book it has everything in it, yeah. but people want it to be easier and videos and that type of thing. So you can do then, you know, an upsell to a $47 course, and then that can be a secondary income type of deal. Awesome. That's yeah. super cool. Cool. Um, so tell me, like going back, you clearly don't have, you're based on the Gold Coast, but um, you don't have a particularly strong Queensland accent I've detected. So um <laughs> You're originally from Canada, Canada. Uh, a place called Newfoundland. Yes. A place in Newfoundland called St. John's, which is okay. our claim to fame. It's the most easterly point in North America. So okay. you go east of there, you're in England. So it's okay. Way over there. Got it. Yeah. And um, so, pretty remote kind of area within Canada, isn't it? At Newfoundland? Yep, it's an island. It, some people call it the, the Tasmania of Canada. Uh, it's an island stuck in the southeast corner, rocky, bad weather, uh, known for its nice people and questionable association with animals. You know, all, all, all the usual, all the, it's almost exactly the same. <laughs> wow. All right. Give us a different context to you now, Scott. I didn't know that the inbred background was there. But, that, um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and so what influenced you to get involved in chiropractic in the first place? Well, it goes back to that. Um, I did uh, I did a you know a biochemistry degree in uni with every in, with every sort of indication or no, that's not the right word. with every uh, I wanted to become a medical doctor. That was the plan. Biochemistry in my uni was the pre-med degree. So that was the plan all the way through. And I think it was my last year as I was getting ready to apply and do the MCATs and stuff like that for, for medical school, my mom hurt her back in, yeah. a, in a boating accident. You know, she was on a boat and the, the boat had to turn quickly and somebody fell on her and she hurt her back. And over the, la- over the next couple of months, she actually became bedridden. So it, it became quite bad. Oh. And she went through the, the medical process uh, and went to the doctor numerous times 
tried everything under the medical model and, and nothing really worked and she was getting worse. It was getting to the point where she was starting to lose strength in her legs. She could barely get out of bed just to go to the toilet. Like things kept getting worse. And finally, after, I don't know, I get this story is a long time ago now, uh, 10 or 15 times to the medical doctor, he actually finally said this. And it was like in the hush, hush, quiet, quiet. If, if I was you, don't tell anyone I told you this, but if I was you, I'd go see a chiropractor. And um, she didn't even know what one was. And wow. so she, she looked one up, you know, probably in the yellow pages or whatever it was back then, and found this lady, went in to see her. And on her first visit, she walked out. And within three visits, she was about 95% better. So wow. it was one of those quote unquote miracle stories. And so as I was going through the whole process of medical school, I looked at that and I'm like, huh, that's kind of cool, but didn't think too much about it. And then I applied to medical school for the first time and didn't get in. And then I applied a second time, and didn't get in after a year of doing my honors. And so I said, okay, well, let's check out this Cairo thing. <laughs> and so uh, I applied there, got in, went to the orientation on the first week at, at CMCC in Toronto. There's a full week long, well, I assume it might still be happening, a full week long orientation, which is like basically a huge party. The first week is just full on party mode to get to know people and stuff. And during that week, I got the call that I got accepted off the wait list to get into medical school. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, they had said, listen, you're, you're accepted off the wait list. Um, I'd moved from Newfoundland to Toronto to start chiropractic school. And they said, we need to know by 5 p.m. today. And this was about 2 p.m. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. So I said, can you give me till tomorrow morning? Like, you, you're not going to contact the next person on the wait list until yeah. the morning anyway. So they said, yes. So I sat down and I came up with this list and I still have it somewhere, this list pros and cons or for either Cairo or med school, went through the whole thing, called my mom, called my dad, called my mate who'd gone to Cairo school, um, talked to the people that I'd just moved in with who were fourth year students. I, you know, I got the third room in their house. And after I did the pros and cons list, it was obvious yeah, that yeah. I, that I stayed in Cairo and it, you know, the best choice I ever made, it could have gone very different if I'd just gone Yep. Okay. Going home. Yes. Very, uh, very uh, fork in the road. Change your life on, on a, you know, a very crazy night that was. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So then you went through CMCC. When did you graduate? 2003. Okay. Excellent. And so uh -huh. what that's, wow, exactly uh, 20 years in practice now, hey? Yeah, I can't, yeah. I actually, I graduated and then... I left Canada on uh, Christmas Eve. Yeah. And I got here on Boxing Day. Okay. Because when you fly from Canada yeah. over, you lose that day. Yeah. So I spent Christmas Day over the Pacific Ocean somewhere. It was very, <laughs> it was very strange. But yes. I got here. My first locum was in uh, Bondi Beach. So it was a pretty cool start to it all. But, oh, I'll tell you this quick story, too, while we're talking about storytelling. Canada, you drive on the left-hand side of the road. Yes. So my first day I got here, 
um, the locum was still here, like the person who owned the practice. And they said, okay, well, the practice is a bit of a drive away. You can use my brand new car. So uh, you should probably go for a drive. And so we drove to downtown Sydney on my first day, fully jet lagged, wrong side of the road. Oh, hang on. So Canada, you drive, you drive on the right side of the road. Oh, sorry. It's so, yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. opposite. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Here is left. I keep getting them confused. Yeah. I keep going to the wrong side of the car here, like 20 yeah. years later. Wow. That's but, yeah, hard so the, wired. Yeah. So the opposite side. And then get this. It was a manual car and I had never driven a manual before in my life oh my god <laughs> it was an experience and funny enough after that drive they said uh so by the way if anything happens to the car you are going to have to pay for it just so we have uh... <laughs> so we have that out loud <laughs> i'm that very brave i think to uh let you use it at all wow oh i know yeah. i mean but they had to because it, the i could not have got to the practice unless i had driven Got it. Got it. Wow. <laughs> that is crazy. I had a month. Um, I didn't crash it, so it was all good. Oh, good. You're that fast learner, hey? Yes. Excellent. Um, so along this chiropractic journey, you've done a bunch of things. You've been you locumed. How long did you locum for? I locumed for about two to three years. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then went to the, is that when you went to the Gold Coast? Have you been on the Gold Coast since then? Yeah. Yeah. I did an associateship for two years on the Gold Coast and then bought a practice in 2007. Okay. And still in the same practice now? Yes. Still here. Uh, sold the practice, but I still work here. Okay. Perfect. Excellent. Yep. So along the journey, what would you say your chiropractic influences have been? Oh, well, during chiropractic school in Toronto, because it was such a hub, it was, it's, it's pretty amazing. You'd know from doing a fair bit of overseas for seminars that every weekend over there, there's something happening. You know, it's uh, two or three things happening. So I, I counted up and I did over 80 chiropractic seminars in the, in the four years of schooling that I did. So it was very, very busy during school. So I had tons of influence, probably one of my biggest ones during school was Arno Bernier. Yeah. Yeah. So Arno's been mentioned a few times here on the podcast, but I'm just going to double click on him for newer listeners and younger people who he's still active in the field, but he is a uh, master adjuster. He was uh, sort of a French guy, became a chiropractor, was very influenced by Reggie Gold, but dove deep into the sort of technical mastery aspect of it, the, you know, do you want, I remember hearing him say, do you want to be the Michael Jordan of chiropractic, which again is a reference that we might need to update to the Kobe <laughs> Bryant or the uh, LeBron, you know, the James, or... LeBron James of uh, chiropractic. But that idea that we have this, our whole practice is kind of centered on the uh, delivery of a masterful adjustment, but we tend to just kind of, almost not when well, we don't practice at all and he as i understand it was very uh is very much like i think he calls his seminars making love to the spine this idea he, of he just does. really uh, going still cringe deep. at that sometimes though yeah yes <laughs> it brings up some bad visuals sometimes yeah it might yeah. mean something different translated from french but i Maybe. agree it can uh, <laughs> jar a bit but the interesting thing with that to me is that some of the the best adjusters i know have 
been really heavily influenced by uh, by Arno. That that reverence and that dedication to the craft of adjusting, I think, is just amazing. Yeah, he did a. Or I, I don't know if he still does. I I don't think he does. But it was it was a seminar down in Colorado, and it was a week long seminar. And I remember me and two mates. I think jumped in our car, drove down from Toronto to Colorado. <laughs> and um, so just by context for our, you know, particularly Australian listeners, I'm looking, I'm thinking of that on a map going, that is a really long way. How long did that take? I honestly, I'm, I'm not sure, but guesstimating it would probably be, say, from, I mean, it'd be Brisbane to Adelaide for sure, probably yeah. long. Yeah. 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 Okay. Go um, on. Long one. So yeah. Yeah, we, we did that a lot because we were cheap Pavo students and um, we had to do a lot of driving. I, I never had a car. So I was lucky in a way. Everyone always had to drive. But um, yes, and it was a week long seminar and it was really a, a deep dive into who you are as a person. Um, and that you know, that precedes who you are as a chiropractor. Um, and, you know, I think back in the day, 20 years ago, um, there was a lot more of that I think we, we might need to switch it back again and think about who we are as chiropractors a little bit more now. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I think some things potentially are being lost over the yeah over the last twenty years. Yeah, absolutely. And so Arno was a big influence there. Did you you did uh, in terms of the? I remember. Well, I know in some of the chiropractic colleges there were sort of MLS clubs connected to it. Did you have that as well? not sure if we had a specific MLS club, but I do remember like from that, from that seminar, we really got to know Arno great. And when he would come to Toronto, sometimes he'd even stay with us. Um, So we got to know him quite well on a, on a personal level. And, you know, he, he, who he is on the stage is, is who he is. And he's just such a, such a fantastic, I mean, I haven't spoken to the guy in any way, shape or form in probably 15 years. Yeah. But yeah. Um, back then I can honestly say he was one of the, one of the coolest human beings I've ever known. Yeah, absolutely. So any other chiropractic influences we should put in here? Uh, as time went on and, you know, through my own journey going from, you know, I've been in practice 20 years now and, and just trying to expand my own sort of ideas around, okay, I've, I've sort of, I've done practice and I'm still here and I'm still helping people, but I want to sort of, I guess, scale it and then figure yeah. out how do I help more people? And so, so people like, you know, Matthew Loop and Sean Dill and who have, who have succeeded well in the chiropractic space, but then have, have gone, I'll call it outside of that, although yeah. they're still helping a lot of chiropractors. Yeah. Um, you, yourself, you know, you, you're doing a very similar thing where you're, I think probably on a sort of similar I think your timeline's further ahead than mine, but like similar ideas to, yeah, been there, done that, had the practice, still have the practice, still doing well there, but saying, okay, I, I, I want to do more in the next 20 years than I did in this 20 years or, or different, I'll call it. Yeah. So just to, for people who don't know, the Matthew Loop is a chiropractor in the US who uh, was, has really gone deep on kind of social media ad, marketing of practices is probably the short version of what he's about. And Sean Dill um, is, uh, has a, a number of programs that help chiropractors do better from the business perspective of practice um, in all different facets of that. So 
um, yeah, they're, they're great people that you can all sort of fast track your learning, learning from people who have already trod that path ahead. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's very little out there that's new. You know, again, back to chat GBT, it, it doesn't yeah. create anything new. No. It just curates what's there and yeah. puts it in a, in a different way. And that's, well, that's, yeah. the, that's the key to it all, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Actually, before we move on from the idea of your chiropractic influences, there's one thing I'd like to loop back to, if that's okay, which is you were talking, you know, and it's uh, you've invested a lot of time, energy, emotional resources, et cetera, in this idea of authority. And I thought it might be useful if we could unpack that a little bit, because it, it is one of those things that people buy you before they buy your message. People coming into anybody's practice one of the first things that decides whether they're going to, well, first of all, come in and see you is whether you they see you as somebody that they can trust and authority is sort of a fast track to that. Secondarily, once you're in the process then of giving recommendations, they're going to weigh up that sense of, is this person credible? Is this person somebody that I knows what they're doing and is going to deliver on the promise? And authority is a, a huge thing there. What short of writing a book, what are your thoughts that people might be able to do in terms of authority in their practice? Yeah, definitely. I think authority as a general rule will first come down to your mindset. Yeah. You know, do you believe you're an authority? Yeah. You know, and, and I say that there's a little bit, I somewhat distinguish the, the difference between an expert an influencer and an authority figure. Okay. So an expert yeah. is, Expert is somebody who obviously knows their stuff, right? Um, an influencer is somebody who has a bigger influence but may not know their stuff. And yeah. that's an absolute key to that because most, let's be honest, most influencers, direct influencers don't know even what they're talking about. They just, no. for some reason or another, got a big audience. Yeah. But the authority figure is really the, the mix between those two. Ah. Have the expertise, but then creating that influence at the same time. Got it. And I would think of the people who are listening to this, um, that's step number one in being an authority figure is, do you believe that you are? Because in reality, you already are, yeah. right? Just the fact that you went to chiropractic school and graduated, um, you already know more about health healing in the human body than 99.9% .9 of the world, Yeah, right? You might forget that sometimes and go, oh, this other chiropractor knows more than I do, or, these medical doctors or whatever the case might be, know more than I do. And that may be true. They might be more of an expert, but becoming an authority figure is that balance. So I think as long as you're getting yourself known for something, and this is where, you know, uh, I call it authority marketing, but marketing in general, that's what it's about. Getting that message out there, being an author of a book is great. Having an online course is great. Uh, another huge one, which blew my mind when I looked into it, a little bit uh, iffy or, or fuzzy line here in Australia, but is is reviews online. Yeah. Google reviews is such a huge way. You know, when I dove into the stats and I'll tell you one stat, which blew my mind is that 84% of people who are looking at Google reviews will take a five-star review with as much influence as they would a personal recommendation. Really? Wow. Yes. That's eighty four percent. Isn't that blow your mind? Yeah. yeah like absolutely. people are trusting, they're not trusting ads anymore, right? Oh. Ads, they still work, 
but the return on investment and stuff is much more difficult. But the reviews, people trust that stuff. People between 18 and 34, they really trust online reviews if you've got enough of them and if they are new enough. Older than three months old, you're a chiropractor out there and you've got reviews and you, you, know, you, you did a big campaign and you got a 50 reviews and they're all five stars, but they're three years old, they don't trust that. Wow, that's interesting. Got to be new. Yeah, yeah. they've got to be new. They've got to be relevant and new. So it's important to, if you can, again, with a big Australian listenership, there's a big fuzzy gray area there that I don't know if it'll change. I hope it really does. Um, but particularly when you can, and if you can do that, maximizing yeah, yeah. your Google reviews is massive. Yeah. So just for Australian chiropractors in particular, just be super aware that you are prohibited from soliciting uh, testimonials, you are permitted to have reviews. And there's a technical difference there that you should be aware of. And broadly, this isn't advice, but broadly a testimonial as the law is in Australia is going to be about your clinical care. Um, Scott got rid of my low back pain. Um, and the uh, a review is... Scott's a really lovely, caring guy, and I trust him. That's not about the clinical care. It's about your experience in the office. Um, and there's also a delineation there in terms of where they're published. So if people have, of their own volition, chosen to give you a testimonial on Google, you are not expected to have to go and try and get Google to remove it because you don't have any editorial control over your Google business page, the reviews there. If somebody puts up a shit one, you just have to wear it. If somebody puts up a good one, that's for, that's fortunate for you. Things like Facebook where you, or your own website, you if you are allowing positive ones and deleting the negative, actually, even if you're not, it's a trickier question. It, that gray line becomes more challenging for you because you do have editorial control over those areas. So anyway, this is not in intended as legal advice on not <laughs> it should not lawyer, be taken as such. <laughs> um, taken as such, but just to give you an idea of the complexity there everybody else in the rest of the world is going what the hell is going on there in australia we think the same thing but we just live with it so um anyway it's a level playing field anyway yeah absolutely and so the, the really the point that i'm taking from it and i just want to make sure that i'm on the right page here is Authority is really important and you can generate authority a bunch of different ways. But the key thing is you've got to be thoughtful about it. You've got to, first of all, do that self-examination of, do I consider myself an authority? And if I don't, why don't I, given that I have uh, the an awareness or an understanding of the dynamics of human health and the relationship to the spine that very, very few people in my community have. I am, by the nature of my training, an authority in that area. And I think we stand on a huge amount of value that we don't necessarily recognize um, because we, we live in it. We're, we're, we're unaware of it because we're using it every day. But there are people just don't understand posture. They don't understand the the way the biomechanics of the spine they don't understand the neurology of the spine they don't understand a whole lot of things that to do with health that you can position yourself as an authority um, if you're thoughtful about it and use 
uh, vehicles that are available to you, like you're talking about at a high level, maybe there's a book, there's courses, there's talks, there's all sorts of different ways that you can position yourself as an authority. Exactly right. Yeah. And so um, you, you, you summarized it great. And yeah. I, I'd, I'd take this opportunity if I could to say, listen, if, if you want to quiz yourself on it, I created a quiz. Okay. What I call a scorecard. Yep. It's uh, the authority scorecard. So yep. if you go to uh, my site called theauthorityco.com. I'll have the link in the show notes. So um, let's make sure that um, you, if you're driving, you don't crash getting on there. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, so the, the authorityco.com, right up at the top, one of the tabs is take the authority quiz. Yep. So at this stage, it's 24 questions. I'm always working on it. So the number of questions might change a little bit, but it's a... a great cool uh program called scorecards where uh, we spit back a, a score so you get a score um you see sort of where your holes are or if you're doing well to see how good you're doing so right. yeah have a look and and um if you if you want to know if you are an authority or not or if you're okay. going in the right direction okay got it um so then in terms of that uh, the quiz then um, let's say I do the quiz and I've got some areas that I need some improvement with. Is that something that you can help people with? Is that, will you be giving recommendations or pass forward for people? Yeah. So it's basically loosely split into three areas where it's like either, yeah, you're an authority, you're doing well, um, could use some work or you could use a lot of work. And so there's, there's different recommendations that come out based on that, but the, the, the site there, the Authority Co. You can have a look through. I do help people with Google reviews, with creating an online course, and with co-authoring a best-selling book. So wow, those are the awesome. aspects that I've done myself that yeah. I'm helping other chiropractors. So that if you want to go from sort of obscurity to authority, that um, I can help you to do that. And basically, most of it is done for you. Not not, not like you don't you don't have to go write a book. Basically, yeah. the yeah. book is already written. And you give me a few bits and pieces. And then I, I sort of, I figured out the blueprint of how to become a bestseller. Um, so, you know, I can't guarantee it because that's a bestseller <laughs> status, but I can almost guarantee that if, if you want to come and work with me, that I can get you a bestseller. Fantastic. So I, the value that I can see there is if I piece it together and I'm just making sure that I'm seeing the picture as it should be, Authority is one of the biggest influence factors. Cialdini thought it was so important that it's one of his top six. Yes. Authority is in play when people are deciding whether they come to see you at all. It's in play when they choose to follow your recommendations or not. It's certainly in play whether people refer to you or not. Mm -hmm. So all the major levers of practice are influenced by authority. And then the step behind that is that you've gone deep into this particular area and said, here are things that you can do. Here are vehicles that you can make a big impact in your authority. And you can guide people through that. You can essentially give people the steps so that they can fast track their authority. Yeah, basically. Um, you know, for example, for my book, Move It or Lose It, I broke it down. And if I spent a 40 hour week writing it, um, it probably would have taken me about a year 
at 40 hour weeks. Like it took yeah. me a whole long time to do it. It's fully referenced. It's, it's a great book. And probably the, the best compliment I had was one of my clients or patients who was in and uh, English is a second language. Yeah. And she said, I read the book and I could understand it. Wow. That's, like, awesome. Oh, that's awesome. That's what you want is to have that simplicity, but it goes into all the chiropractic principles without talking about chiropractic. Yeah. So it's a really lay person book, um, but it really does put you out there as, as that uh, authority figure. So yeah, basically fast tracking someone from taking a thousand hours and have a finished product in maybe 20 to 40 hours a time. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Um, so anything you want to say about authority before we move on? Um, no, I don't think no. so. No, no, nothing I could think of. Um, uh, awesome. If something comes up in conversation, then I'll... Yeah, yeah. Excellent. <laughs> well, so we've spoken about chiropractic influences. Um, in terms of life influences, anything or anybody else who's been particularly impactful on what you do, how you do it, and where you find yourself? From a, I guess from a business perspective, we talked about Donald Miller and, yeah. and his story brand aspect. And one other guy I'd love to mention is Alex Hermosi. I don't know. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, he, he's, when you break down his stuff and I, there's, I think there's a free program on his website, acquisition.com. Yeah. Um, that is just brilliant, but it breaks down, like talks about scarcity, talks about, you know, a number of the influence principles um, in a super cool free course. So yeah. highly recommend that. Um, but then from a, like a, a personal, personal, you know, I'd probably say my wife, you know, yeah. she's, she's always been the balancing point for me. I tend to sometimes do too much of this stuff and, and, and not enough just regular life stuff. And she's a real balancing point for me. She's nothing to do with chiropractic. The only thing she really has anything to do with chiropractic is she, she wants to get adjusted. <laughs> That's about it. So it, it's a great balance point. And, you know, we found a, a fantastic place where we're um yeah just doing really well as a family and, and loving life so that would probably and my daughter yeah yeah it's awesome. it's really uh, i'm i'm in a fantastic place in in life right now in general yeah that's yeah. cool oh that's awesome to hear so scott thank you so much for making the time and uh persisting across our many emails back and forward to find a suitable time to do this because I think there's been a heap of value in today's discussion. And I really love when people bring ideas and concepts that work outside of the profession and bring them to the profession and tweak and adapt them so that there's that immediate value. And I think people are going to take from our conversation a new appreciation and understanding of the idea of authority, but also ways that they can think about authority, but also raise their own authority and so help more people and help people more. So really appreciate and acknowledge you for all the work that you've done to get to that point and also your generosity in sharing it with us today. Yeah, and I'd like to thank you, you know, for coming on. It's I had a, had a good chat. It's been great. And, but also like way back in the day before I even met you, you know, coming over to Australia um, and going to the big DGs. Um, yeah. I didn't really know anyone when I came here and, you know, you were up there on the stage talking, you know, talking what you, you know, it's still the stuff you're doing now you were doing, you yeah. were pioneer way back then. And so it's really probably, you're one of the, per one of the people who got me into this process and just looking at it from a outside in perspective 
from from a like chiropractic outside of chiropractic, not a yeah. outside. But looking at it from the outside perspective, because you've always brought that into your um, what you talk about and, and bringing the expertise from other fields into chiropractic. And I think that's where chiropractic is going to survive and thrive. So thank you as well. Oh, my pleasure. We're on the same page. All right. Yeah. Thanks for a great chat. Speak soon. Thank you. Okay. If you like today's episode, then you will love the Retention Recipe 2.0. It's an online workshop that is broken into 33 lessons and has over seven hours of content, which will teach you to confidently communicate the value of proactive chiropractic in the first 12 visits. So if we want to have long-term retention, if we want people to stay with us for months, years, and reap the really amazing health benefits that happen with long-term chiropractic care, we need to set the foundation for that in the first 12 visits. So the approaches in the retention recipe 2.0 are based on state-of-the-art influence strategies that are effective, ethical, and they're enjoyable to use. They will help you to have more fun, less stress, and increase your retention, which means more practice growth and less always being on the hunt for new people. Check it out in the link in the show notes.